One Nation Under God. We're going to be wrapping up this series today, Lord willing, and so I uh, just encourage you to, again, get out a piece of paper you're going to need to take some notes today and follow along. Get your Bible out, your electronic device, whatever you use to open up the Word. Let's open up to Matthew 28. Yes, Matthew 28, you ought to know it by heart by now if you've been coming throughout this series. We've been launching from this scripture for a specific purpose. Uh, we're going to go to another scripture after this, so if you'd like to, you can uh, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, hold your finger there. We'll be going to that scripture here in just a little bit, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we're going to start out in Matthew 28, one nation under God. I'm going to start reading there in verse 16. When you're ready, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So here's the instructions. Here's our mandate. Here's what we're hearing from God. Here's what we're hearing from heaven for all of us. Notice this is not a commission or an assignment to the preachers or to the church leaders. These are, these are instructions to all of us, and we've all got a part to play in this. We'll talk about this more as we go along today. Here's what he says in verse 19. Go, therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and earth, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's how you make disciples of all the nations, by teaching them to observe all things, all things. Everybody say, all things teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. How much is God with us? Always. How often is he with us? Always. He's always with us, even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. So we see in the scripture, it says, go into all the... Nations go into there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command. So here's what we're talking about. In our nation right now, we're wanting to make disciples of nations, and we're talking about the nations that we affect, that we control, and that's the United States of America, as well as when you travel, go to other nations, you're maybe watching from other nations. Yes, we have people watching from other nations online on our service. So whatever nation you're living in, wherever you are, we want to make disciples. We want to help make disciples, followers of Jesus by doing that. And he says how we need to do that is make sure that we teach him to, desert, to observe all things that I command. And we talked about that being his principles. So we got to follow the principles of the kingdom of heaven. We're working through this process of seeing, you know, we come out of the election season and, and we come out of that process of of division in our country and how some people were thrilled four years ago with the results and some people were devastated. Some people are thrilled four years later and some people are devastated. So we have a divisive situation in our nation. What do we do? Do we just pack up and go home and say, forget it? Let's just kiss this world goodbye? No, we still got Matthew 28. Matthew 28 says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations by teaching them to observe the things I command. So we want to teach the principles of God. Disciple a nation based on the principles. I got this slide of a tree, and I want to show you something because I believe this is important. If we're going to disciple according to his principles, if you see this tree, there's three parts to this tree that I want to point out. Just an apple tree, and the, the part of the tree that you can't see 
are the roots. And those roots came from a seed. So we'll call the, the base part of this tree the seed, the beginning. Then you've got the trunk part, the part that forms the structure and what kind of holds it together. And all of that comes out of the seed. And then from the structure, you begin to produce fruit, which would be the result. So you have the seed represents the principles, represents the beginning. The most important part of that tree is not the fruit. If you would look at it and say, what's the most important part of that tree? You would say, well, it's the apples. It's the apples. The most important part of that tree is the seed. Because whatever you plant, the seed, whatever you start with, the base, the beginning, is what determines the results that you get. So you can't plant, if you want apples, you can't plant a lemon seed. So the principles of what, how you start with something is going to determine the result. Everybody wants good results. Everybody wants apples. Everybody wants good results in our country. Everybody wants all these good things. They want love, and everybody wants peace, and everybody wants joy, and everybody wants all these good things. They want gentleness, and, and they want uh, peace of mind, and they, all these great things everybody wants in our country. That's the fruit that everybody wants, but how can you get those results only by planting the right seed? Because those things that we're talking about are fruits of the Spirit, so we're not going to get the results of love, joy, and peace in our country if we don't stick to the principles of the kingdom of heaven. This is what I'm talking about, is that we got to hang on to the principles of God. If we forsake the principles of God, we will not reap the fruit of God. Everybody wants the fruit of love and joy, but we will not get love in our nation if we forsake God because God is love. So this is why we're going back to the basics and seeing what our nation has been founded on. We talked about this a lot over this series on how our nation was started and some of the principles of God that were in place in the beginning. I want to bring up the Declaration of Independence, going back a little bit, July 4th, 1776, important day in our history. And you'll see on the Declaration of Independence, it's hard for you to read at the top of it, but at the very top of this document, it says, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. This is the birth certificate, our national birth certificate of the United States. And in this national birth certificate, again, we're talking about the principles, the things that our nation was founded on, the seed that was planted. And here's some of the seeds that were planted and our, and our unanimous declaration of the United States of America. Remember, this is not a private document. This is not a, a church document. This is a document by the government, created by the government officials, that is a unanimous declaration of all 13 states. So all 13 states put their stamp of approval, or better said, their signature, on this document says, we believe what these things, what, what is said in this document. Here's one of the things that was said in the document. And they used to, you have to, me have to memorize this, but here's one of the things that they said. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How many of you used to have to memorize this in school? Raise your hand if you had to memorize See, a lot of people had to memorize this years ago. We don't have to memorize it anymore. We don't even talk about this anymore in our school system. But this is one of the base things that all 13 states unanimously agreed on. And I want you to see what they unanimously agreed on. Here's one of the principles of our nation. You see it here in the wording. That all men are created equal and that they were endowed by their creator. Endowed by their creator. So from the very beginning, 
All of our government officials agreed on this one thing, that government is going to acknowledge that we see and know that there is a divine creator. So from the very beginning, our government believed in a divine creator. Now, nowadays, you won't hear that. Nowadays, they'll say, well, you can't use God. You can't talk about God because some people don't believe in God, so we can't say God in a, in a public school setting, or we can't say it at a graduation, or we can't say it in a governmental office. We can't talk about God. But from the beginning, our, our nation said, we believe in a divine creator. Those, those are some of the things that founded our nation. And they go on to say that not only the divine creator, but they also believe that we were created with certain inalienable rights. Inalienable rights is a word that just means that these rights that we were given were not given to us by government. They were given to us by God. So one of the other foundation, founding principles that was in our nation is that, listen, we have certain rights that have been given to us by God that came before the rights of government. So this was the first step in limiting the power of government. In the Declaration of Independence, our, our founding fathers said, okay, we're sending a message to the government that you're not the biggest dog in town. We're letting you know right from the jump that we've been given some inalienable rights that came before you, and so you will not be able to control all of our rights. That's some of the founding things of our nation. Certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we talked about these things from, from the, making sure that our nation was founded on these principles. Here's another guy that you may recognize, George Washington. Everybody know George? Hey, George. So here's George Washington, first president of the United States, served two terms. They wanted to elect him for more terms, but he said, no, this, that's enough. We're not going to have that kind of system. I want a limitation. Here's one of the things that George Washington said about nations. When we talk about discipling nations, here's what George Washington said. Check this out. It is the duty, yes, I say duty, of all nations to acknowledge. Here's what he said that they need to acknowledge. The providence of Almighty God to obey his will to be grateful for his benefits, and humble to implore his protection and favor. He said it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to be humble to implore his protection and favor. This is the duty of all nations from our first president. Again, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about the base principles that were put in place in our nation, that if we want these things to grow and flourish, if we want to unify our nation, we want to bring our, place, our nation to a better place, we need to go back to the principles that are going to produce those things. We want to get these fruits, but we can't forsake how God designed us to put them in place in the beginning. Okay? So just trying to lay that, that groundwork for us and make sure we understand. Because we talk about the Pledge of Allegiance. Right, how the Pledge of Allegiance starts. We can say it together, ready? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We talked about being indivisible last week, and today I want to mention a couple things here about liberty and justice for all. Because when we talk about making a nation by the principles of God, we've got to keep in mind the factor that humanity plays. This is a part where we can't depend on man to bring us everything we need because man's fallen. We've got issues. We're not perfect. So we say liberty and justice for all. This was the Pledge of Allegiance, but have we had liberty and justice for all throughout our history? No, we haven't. But it doesn't mean that liberty and justice for all is not possible. No, that's not what it means. But just because we haven't had liberty and justice for all doesn't mean we don't keep pursuing liberty and justice for all. We just pursue it from coming from the right source and not coming from man. 
Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Liberty and justice is not going to come from a certain political party. Liberty and justice is going to come from one person, that's Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't get involved in elections and all of that, th- that stuff that we've talked about, but I want to make sure you understand that only one person is going to bring liberty and justice for all. And here's what Luke 4 talks about. it: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So who's going to bring liberty or freedom to oppression? Jesus. Who's going to help our nation with people who are oppressed in our nation? How are they going to find liberty? They're going to find it through Jesus. We're talking about what's going to help. What are we going to communicate to our nation to help people find freedom and liberty? Here's another scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Liberty and justice for all. How's all going to get liberty and justice? Through the Spirit of the Lord. We're not, this is where we're not limited. Again, if we, we concentrate on man giving us liberty and justice or any other freedoms or any other rights, we're going to be limited by what man can do. We've got to understand that I can experience liberty and justice through Jesus no matter what type of government I'm living under. You could be watching this online from a government that is, doesn't allow freedom of religion. What are you going to do in that government? Does that mean that you can't have liberty and justice? No, you can have liberty and justice. We just got to go get it from Jesus. This is the message that we're trying to convey to the world. That's what I want to make sure and get to you. Let me give you the second one, justice. Can we get justice? Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. God is a God of justice. Do we want justice in our world? Yes, then we need God in our world. He goes on another scripture I'll give you here. There's Psalms 103.6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Do you know anybody that's oppressed, feels oppressed? Anybody, any groups of people that have, that have experienced oppression? Who's going to help them? Who's going to help have, get relief from that? He says he gives justice to all who are oppressed. Who's our answer for liberty and justice for all? It's God. It's having a relationship with Jesus. And this is what we're trying to communicate. This is what I want to get across to us today. Dependence on man for our government to bring us solutions is going to bring frustration. This is why we have so much frustration in our country because people are dependent on a human being for them to experience something that God has already promised them. Stay with me. Inalienable rights mean I have a right to some things because God's word says so whether my government agrees with it or not. We try over here. See, we're not limited by the policies of Congress. I'm limited by the Word of God. When God says I can have something, I can have it, I can experience it, I can believe for it and pray for it, no matter who's in authority over me. I don't want to be limited by the government. I don't want to be limited by that. I've got certain inalienable rights that even if I'm living in a communistic government, I can experience liberty and justice. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to have conflict. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have tribulation. All of those things. But I'm just trying to make sure we understand that our answers come from the Word and from Jesus and not from man. Because if we get lazy, if we get lazy, then we start looking at, well, they won't let us. They won't let us. Who's they? we got to put our faith in God. 
We can go back to the end time series and we talk about what's going to happen when things begin to change globally around the world and there become restrictions in certain areas. What if those people say, well, we've got a certain person in power, we've got this viewpoint, we've got this ideology coming from this group of people, so therefore we can't. God said, I want you to flourish in the face of opposition. I don't want you to run from opposition. I want you to flourish in it. And this is what he's talking about and making sure we try to get it. Because he says he gives justice and liberty to all who are oppressed. So people who are oppressed need to hear what kind of news? Good news or bad news? If you're oppressed, you need to hear good news. So here's what I'm going to commission you today. Here's going to be our assignment. Our assignment from heaven is for you and I to now be bearers of good news. Instead of being bearers of bad news. How many times have you had somebody come to you, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Don't you love it when somebody starts out a sentence like that? All right, tell me more. Why can't we be bearers of good news? Too many times I believe the church has chosen the position of being a bearer of bad news when I think we should be bearers of good news. We should be the biggest bearer of good news of anybody on the planet because we have the best news. No matter what's happening on the earth, we have good news. No matter what I see on the news, I've got good news. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 says, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Gospel is a word that means good news. So what are we supposed to be telling? The word preach, don't get intimidated by the word preach. You're like, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are in certain contexts. Because the word preach just means to say, to declare, to talk. Everybody can talk. So God's just telling you, you and I, everywhere you go, I want you to speak good news. What good news? What's, what's some good news? You said, well, Chad, what kind of good news can I have? Maybe is, it, uh, is it the economy's up? Is that good news? Terrorism is down. Borders are secure. Medicare will be there for everyone. Social Security is going to be there when I need it. Uh, Health care is going to be affordable. Let's talk about good news. No, I'm not talking about that kind of good news. I'm talking about a bigger good news. Go into all the world and preach good news. Tell them good news. Let's look at the good news that we have. Go over to 2 Corinthians where I had you hold your finger there. I'm convinced that God is asking us to change our nation, affect our nation by being the bearer of good news, that we need to be able to talk about good news. We should have good news flowing from our mouth on a regular basis. And here's some good news that we need to have. So, Because you and I are going to face people every day that need to hear some good news. I need to hear some good news. You need to hear some good news. Because we don't get, how many uh, have this experience that when you're watching news, they give you story after story of people helping people, people saving people, people complimenting one another, all kinds of stories on the news, right? It's not like that. It's usually who murdered who, who died, who did this, what awful thing has happened. They're trying to play all kinds of arguments and division, trying to continue to divide our nation instead of unite our nation. Negative, 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 negative. It's just it's the world's way. So who's going to tell good news? Who's going to do it? We are. Now, whatever good, what good news to you, we got to realize that no matter your, demo, your, your, uh, your political alliance, whether you lean more Democrat or you lean more Republican, you've got good news today. That's what I want to tell you. You may think because you have a political affiliation that it's either only good news right now or only bad news. I want to tell you it's good news all around the bo- board if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. 
It was good news four years ago. It's good news four years before that. It'll be good news four years from now. It's nothing but good news if you're a follower of Jesus. I'm telling you, we got to zero in on that. Here's what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you ready? Look at verse 17. Here's some good news that you can give somebody this week. Maybe you can give it to yourself right now. It says, therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Does this sound like good news to anybody? Do you think anybody would like to hear this kind of news? Here's the news that we're sitting on. While everybody's fussing about this or fussing about that or arguing about this or arguing about that, arguing about walls and borders and Medicare and all these things, while they're arguing about all this, look at the good news we're sitting on, that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Hey, do you, really, do you want to walk away from your past? Do you want to walk away from who you were? Do you want to experience a new life? Do you want to be free from your sin and your past? You can be a totally new person in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good news. Good news. We're so ingrained into bad news that good news doesn't even affect us the way it should. I'm telling you, there is no better news in the world than 2 Corinthians 5.17. That if anyone, everybody say anyone. If anyone be in Christ, they're what? They're a new creation. Old things passed away. All things can become new. That's good news. That's good news. If you need your old to pass away, that's great news for you. You're not going to hear better news than that. If you've got a bad past and you're trying to walk away from something, this is the best news you could hear all day. But we've got to make sure we're releasing it. We're going and telling people good news. Look what else he says in verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us. Here's more good news. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now hold right there. God has reconciled us to himself. Here's some great news. Are you ready for good news? Maybe you didn't realize this was great news. Maybe you kind of glossed over this like we all do, but I want you to see good news that's going to make a difference in the world around us. Here's something we have to tell people. Here's what it says. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. Here's what reconcile means. It means to restore proper, friendly relations after something has happened to break it. Whenever you have reconciliation, it takes three things. I want to jot these down. Three things. Number one. Number one, someone has to do something to break up the relationship. Someone has to screw it up. So for reconciliation to happen, there has to be first a division or there's no reconciliation. You got it? It's, It's to be reconciled to come together again. So there has to be a separation. Number two, someone has to intentionally do something, make an effort towards reconciliation. Here's the principle. Reconciliation doesn't happen on accident. Someone has to do something intentionally to bring reconciliation. Then thirdly, Because of the efforts of the first two, because of something that was broken and someone made an intentional effort and did something about it, then thirdly, relationship is restored and friendly relations are back the way they were, if not better. So reconciliation needs all three of those things. So let's break it down for a moment. Maybe you're in a situation where you've got a relationship in your life that's broken because somebody did something. Either you did it or somebody else did it. That you're not on speaking terms, you're not talking to one another, you're not, that's what happens in the holidays, you experience some of this. 
Other times in your life, you're experiencing. If you've got something, number one, you're in a situation with a broken relationship, then now see step two. Step two is somebody intentionally has to do something about it to restore it. You say, well, well, I'm praying about it. I understand praying about it. We need to pray about it. But then at some point, we need to do something about it. Some people are still praying about it because they don't want to do anything about it. They're praying that God will tell somebody else to do something about it. They're praying that God will move on them to apologize. Father, I just pray again, day 375 straight, that you will cause them to ask forgiveness. When are we going to do something to bring restoration in relationship? God intentionally did something. We did something to break the relationship between us and God. We did it. We sinned. So God did not sit there and say, you know what? You better do something about it because we couldn't do anything about it. So God intentionally did something that he didn't have to do, and he brought Jesus into the world. Jesus died, and he reconciled us to God through Jesus, and he did point to, he said, I did my part. I intentionally reached out to you. He loved us before we loved him. Right? So he reconciled. He made the first move. He said, hey, I'm going to reach out to you and so you can find relationship with me. And then number three, we're going to have a restored relationship when we receive what God did for us. So here's what you and I need to do. If we want to bring restoration of relationships, number two, we've got to make sure we're doing something intentionally to bridge that gap with people. You may need to cross party lines to build bridges. You may need to say something to someone who believes totally opposite of you politically to build that relationship back. You may need to do something with your spouse, parent, children, loved one, co-worker, whatever. Who's going to be the one who intentionally does something to restore that relationship? And who's going to be the one who just waits around and hopes that it gets better? Who's the one that's going to be big enough to go to them and say, honey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. That's, I apologize. I really didn't do anything wrong. But who's going to be the one? (laughs) I knew what you were thinking. Did God do anything wrong? But who made the effort? See the example? God did nothing wrong, but he's the one who made the effort to restore the relationship. You may have done nothing wrong but you may still be the one who makes the effort to restore the relationship. And that's what he said. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And then after that, so he's reconciled us to to him. And then what he gives us, he's given us the ministry or the service or the activity of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, what does that mean? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We can't reconcile ourselves to God. We can't reconcile God to people. We can't reconcile people to God. We can't do that. So what is he given to us? That is, in other words, verse 19, he's going to explain it. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses or not counting their trespasses, not counting their sins against them, not making sure they knew and they were aware of all their wrongdoings, not smashing it in their face all the time. He didn't count that against him to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Here's what he's saying. He says that as God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. Who did God reconcile to himself through Jesus? The world. Who represents the world? Everybody. When he says he reconciled the world to himself, it does not say he reconciled the church to himself. It doesn't say he reconciled believers to himself. It doesn't say he reconciled the elect to himself. 
It says he reconciled the world to himself through Jesus. So here's what God was saying. I love everyone. And Jesus is going to pay the price for all of sin of humanity. So I'm going to initiate the reconciliation. I'm going to do step two. I'm going to send Jesus and he's going to pay the price for the sins of all the world. Everybody. And all they have to do is embrace my son Jesus and we will be restored. Step three. See how he worked that? That's good news. That's good news. I couldn't do that. I couldn't get that relationship restored. But he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to reconcile the whole world to them, uh, back to me. And I'm not going to impute their trespasses to them. That's kind of a fancy way of saying I'm not going to hold their sins up in front of me. In other words, let me say it this way, a better way to say it. God's intentions were not distracted by other people's actions. I didn't hold their trespasses, their sins against them. I reconciled them regardless of their actions. Here's what he's saying to us. Oh, this is a hard truth, Lord, a hard truth, hard truth. He said, your actions won't change my intentions. I'm going to do what I'm going to do no matter what you do. That's the power of reconciliation. It's when you do what you can do no matter what they do. Oh, oh. So now when God says, I want you to go reconcile with that person, you go, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, they won't receive it. Your intentions of reconciliation are not moved by what they do or what they don't do. You're moved by what God asks you to do. God came to me regardless of what I did. He said, I'm sending Jesus. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching to Chad. Chad, come on, take it. Take, Take the free gift. Take it. Take it. I'm reaching out to you. His intentions could not be swayed by my actions. And so I'm asking myself, how many times do I let other people's actions change my intentions? How many times do I let somebody's lack of response change my intentions? That I want to do it until they reject me. I want to reach out to them until they tick me off. I want to, I want to extend the olive branch until they did it again. That's it. I'm out. Reconciliation is something we can control our part, but we can't control theirs. But he said he's given us the word of reconciliation. So here's what I'm saying to the church, to believers. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what he's given to you. He's given to me. He's given us a word to give to the world. He reconciled the world to himself through Jesus, and then he gives you and I a word to give to them. What's the word he gave? Reconciliation. He didn't give us the word of correction. He didn't give us the word of condemnation. What's the word that God gave us to give to the world? Reconciliation. It doesn't mean that we just say everything's fine and there's no sin. and That's not what I'm talking about. He gave us the word of reconciliation. He gave us the good news to tell people God's not mad at you and he's welcoming you back. He's, we're, we're giving them the good news that Jesus has paid for all of your sins and no matter what you're doing, God's extending his hands to you saying, hey, I want to be a part of your life. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to you. That's the good news that he's not rejecting you. He's embracing you. He's already reconciled through Jesus. He's done step two. Now all you need to do is step three. He's done his part. Now you do your part. That's the word of reconciliation. So we got to go around the world and give people hope and give them the good news that God's reconciled himself to them. Hey, you know God loves you. He's reconciled himself to you. 
Instead of going around and pointing out what all sins they're in, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you ought to tell people the truth about their situations. I recognize that. I, I acknowledge that. But I, I want to submit this to you. Your right to speak into someone's life correctively does not come without trust and relationship. If you want to speak into someone's life correctively, you don't just shoot the truth at them. You build relationship with them. And through that relationship, you can bring correction. Through releasing love to them, you let them know that God's not mad at them, that God's welcoming them. See, God's asking us to belong before we become. See, God's asking us to belong before we believe. The church has asked people too many times to become, and then they can belong. If you will become like us, then you can belong. If you will believe like we believe, then you can become. Then you can belong, sorry. But I believe God's asking the church to do something a little bit different in the context of the word of reconciliation, is that will you allow people to belong, build relationships before they become everything God's asked them to become? Will you, will you let people belong, the body of Christ, be a part of the church and, and build relationship with people before they believe everything that they're supposed to believe? Well, I don't know, Pastor. Things could get a little crazy. Yeah, they could. But I want to submit to you that I've not become everything that I'm supposed to become yet. And I still belong to the family of God. I don't even believe everything that I know God wants me to believe. But I'm still a part of the family. See, and that's our part to release this word. I want to, I want to close with this scripture. Over just a page in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's the word that we want to release to the world. Because I believe one nation under God is about this, guys. It's a bunch of imperfect people of all political backgrounds, all political preferences. You know, it's highlighted this time of year, you know, this time of season of the elections. I believe it's people from all walks of life learning to love in different circumstances, learning to love in different viewpoints. And here's, here's how we're going to bring unification. Here's the good news I think we need to release. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. <laughs> Let me just say that part again. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Can I give you an encouraging word right now? That if you stay with Christ, he will lead you into triumph no matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter how hard it is you're walking through, no matter how lonely it may seem in this time. If you will stay in Christ, he always leads to triumph. He's always going to lead you to triumph. Look at the next part. And through us, through us, everybody say through us. Through us, say through me. Look at your neighbor, say through you. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice, say through you. <laughs> Some of you, I don't want to talk to my neighbor. That's okay. But look what he says. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. 
diffuses, through us diffuses the fragrance. That word diffuses is just words that means to make manifest, to make it visible, to make it show up. Here's what God's doing. He says that through us, through you, through me, through all of us, God's wanting to make real, make manifest the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Verse 15, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are believing, saved, or are being saved, and among those who are perishing. One is the aroma leading to death, and to the other, the aroma life leading to life, and who's sufficient for these things? Here's what I'm saying. You guys remember these? Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, they had them, and maybe they still have them. I don't, I don't even know yet. Do you have these things called a scratch and sniff? You remember those? That you scratch them. You know, they wouldn't smell like anything, but as soon as you'd scratch them, you'd be like, ah, oh, strawberries. It's awesome, strawberries. So you scratch, and it releases a fragrance. He says, through us, he's releasing a fragrance to the world. And so what I'm asking you, and I'm asking myself, I'm just asking this question real quick. I want you to think about it. What fragrance, fragrance do you release when you get scratched? You know, we can talk about two different kinds of scratching. There's, you know, scratch my back, oh, that feels good. And there's also scratching like, <sighs> I mean, there's all kinds of scratching we can talk about. One scratching is nice and you want to, you know, whatever. But there's, but there's some scratching that's like mean, vindictive, and weapons. So I'm just asking, sometimes when you get scratched in a mean way, what kind of fragrance do you release? He says, through us, through us, through us, he wants to release a fragrance into the world, the knowledge of God. So everywhere you go, he says in every place, not just in church. Some of you put on your nice church cologne. And I say you, some of you, I say we all probably are guilty of that at some point. That when you come to church, your fragrance is nothing but, oh, we just walk in a glow in church, right? We're all anointed, all soaking the presence of God 24-7. But I'm talking about in every place. So when you're at the workplace, when someone scratches you. In here, God bless you. Bless you. No, bless you, brother. I'm blessed, highly favored. Thank you. God bless you. All this Christianese. But you're out in the workplace and somebody's scratching. Well, you worthless. What? 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 Scratch, scratch. So my, my question, follow-up question with that is, what do you smell like? Just look at your neighbor. Don't just, just do that. You don't have to do anything. Just, just smell. What do you smell like when your spouse scratches you? What do you smell like when your kids scratch you? What do you smell like when that person at school scratches you or work or gets on your last nerve through us releases a fragrance what's going to change our nation it's going to be people like you and I that releases the fragrance of the goodness of God you know people's not going to be moved by our politics our nation's not going to be united over politics you know how people's going to be changed they're going to be changed by the love that you have when you release a fragrance everywhere you go that is, you're speaking one word, reconciliation. 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 
always giving people the chance to make their life right with God, always believing in the best. Are they living the best? Are they doing everything? Maybe not. That's fine. It doesn't mean you compromise. It doesn't mean you gray up the truth. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying you keep your heart open to love people and to give them one word, reconciliation. Well, I've tried that, and they've abused it time after time after time. Peter had this conversation with Jesus. He said, Lord, how many times should we forgive people in a day? Seven times? He thought he was being really radical. I mean, Lord, really. I mean, we can't let people take advantage of Should we forgive people seven times? Jesus, in all of his wisdom, said, no, no, Peter, seven. That's, that's not it. Seventy times seven. Per day, right? So here's what I want to ask you. If you would just bow your heads with me. And I want to pray. And I want you to ask yourself, what do I smell like? What do I smell like outside of church? Can the world smell the fragrance of God in me? I'm not saying you have to be perfect. None of us are. But I'm asking this question do you realize that you're putting off an odor everywhere you go? We use a phrase, we say that your attitude stinks when we're talking about a bad attitude. But I'm telling you, your, you know, a bad attitude doesn't literally smell, it doesn't put off an odor. But what we're saying is your attitude, people around you can smell it, they can sense it, they can realize it. And if you're putting off love, joy, peace. I realize we all have our bad times and bad moments and I get it. But I want to press into what God's asking me to do that when I'm scratched, I want people to smell God the best that I can. So ask yourself before God, Lord, do I stink a little bit? Where do I need to change my fragrance? Father, ask, I just ask you to help me. When I get scratched, I don't want to justify my response. I want, to, I want people to smell you. So as he's speaking to your heart right now, I just want you to begin to give that to him. We're applying this message. We're applying it into our hearts right now to say, God, that through us, he wants to release and make real, make manifest, make visible the kingdom of heaven. He's wanting to do it through us. Imperfect vessels that we are, he's wanting to use us to give people the word of reconciliation. Do you have the word of reconciliation or do you have the word of criticism? Do you have the word of unity or the word of division? I don't know what God's dealing with you on, but I'm just giving you an opportunity to hear his voice. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We want to be your vessels. We want to be your fragrance. We want to be your cologne, your perfume in every place. On our good days and our bad days, in church, in our homes, in our jobs. Lord, we want people to smell you on us. Help us, Father, to lay down our divisions and pick up reconciliation. You've given us a word to speak to the world, and it's the word of reconciliation.
that God, through Jesus, reconciled the world to himself. What good news. What good news. God, I pray this week in our lives that you'll prick our hearts. I pray that people scratch us and we put off a wrong odor, that you will speak to our hearts immediately, that we will change our fragrance in that moment. That when a response that we give doesn't smell like you, God, I pray conviction will come quickly. A loving response to say, Chad, no, that's not how I want you to respond. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 